I'm Matt Brailsford. I'm Kevin Jump. And you're listening to Package Manifest. A podcast where we discuss the various aspects of package developer life on the Umbreco platform. Do you want me to do hello? Well, doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> now I've said it, I have to do it. Yeah. Well, hello. Hello, Mr. Matt. Hello, hello, Mr. Jump. We're always Mr. Matt and Mr. Jump. Mr. Matt. I don't know. I said Master Matt about three weeks ago and I haven't changed it since. So yeah. I thought it was me catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I thought your catchphrase was at the end saying yeah, tra. tra. Hello. This is the beginning. Don't get me confused this early on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so are you melting in this heat? I am. It is absolutely roasting in my little studio room. Yes. And seasonably warm. Yeah, we're having difficulty with the dog, so I'm having to get up mega, mega early to take her on a, a walk whilst it's still yeah. cool. But during the day, it's like 27 plus degrees, So it's, it, and she's a black oh. dog, so there's there's no way she, she can't cope in yeah. that weather. So she's getting one walk a day at the moment, and she's she's a cockapoo, so she's very ener- energetic yes. dog. And... So trying to keep a lid on that is is quite difficult. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've discovered a number of things in the heat. I've, I think that the Spanish are right. I've been getting up really early as well because I think yesterday it was about half four because it's just too hot and sleeping with all the windows open and not even the curtains fully shut. It's just bright. So I've woke up at half four, but I came down, did some work, and it was cool. Had some lunch, and it was just unbearably too hot to think. So then I went and had a snooze. For a good couple of hours, so I've had a siesta the last couple of days. Nice. It's, it's, I mean, part of the wonderfulness of working for yourself. And so I've just been sleeping in the afternoons. It's great. That's great. And I've also discovered that uh, Umbraco uh, swag t-shirts are too good a quality and are just too heavy for heat. So I'm actually quite hot <laughs> in the Umbraco swag. So uh, they need, need thinner quality t-shirts. I'm wearing pretty much running t-shirts at the moment to, to try and try and stay cool but i need to uh, yeah i need to start doing the the napping the siestas yes. our our bedroom is the only room with some air con in yes. it <laughs> i was considering because the olympics starts on friday and i do like a long running sporting event yeah but it's on uh in european time it's like 1 a.m but i thought given this weather i could just switch to nocturnal yeah work through the cool evenings watch the olympics and then sleep in the day when it's too hot to think why not but uh I know, I'm mainly because I think my family would have disowned me. That's probably the reason. But you'd also get less support requests during those hours. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I get quite a few American ones, but they're actually a bit later. So yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> so what you been up to? Oh, so oh, work-wise, yes. the, the real stuff. Yeah. Uh, packages, packet, multi-targeting packages. So Yay. based on our last discussion... You convinced me that multi-targeting is the only thing to do now. So uh, <laughs> I've done, in the last fortnight, I've done a couple of little things. So uh, one was someone asked, I'd totally forgotten about it, uh, got a package called the Publishing Queue that allows, just gives you a UI to send all your content to a queue, which is right. a database table, and then in the background it works through it. And I wrote it for V8, and then there was some minor technical thing in, in Umbraco itself to do with publishing content in the background. So... Uh, if you publish content in a background task, there was a scope or something that wasn't set properly. Okay. And it was an Umbraco thing, but it got fixed in about Umbraco 
8.8, but I'd just totally forgotten. And someone's like, does this package exist for Umbreaker 8? And then <laughs> it turns out it did. I just had never finished it. So I finished that and I almost immediately started doing that as uh, how do we make that Umbreaker 9? So I've got a 9 yeah. version, so the multi-targeted ready nice. for that. And a couple of other ones. So all the little packages, but I started Translation Manager this week. Ooh, actually, only one. on Monday. Yeah, it's going surprisingly well. So, uh, and that's it, multi-targeted it com- as, as well. Multi-targeted yeah. and it compiles. Nice. That's where I'm at. Uh, I've had to do a couple of things you were talking about with uh, logs, log logging. So I've got yes. a library. I'm, I'm no doubt very similar code. Yeah. So you can sort of that that definitely is a utility thing. I think lots yeah. of people are going to want to be able to do uh, logging. I keep meaning to yeah. to blog up, uh, my code thing. So I, I think I said it in the last one. I've I've got a method for registering a, a service yeah. that has the same signature because I don't think V8 supported it, but I found a way to do that. So I need to blog about that. Yes, I think I I honestly that was in the Slack channel you posted. out, look what yeah. I've done. So I may have taken a big chunk of that out of our Slack conversation. Yeah, just to get that sort of registering thing because that's the that's the hard bit. Yeah, and obviously you did the hard bit. And uh, I've got a couple of other utility things that I'm just sort of building a little utility library next to it. But at the moment, they're very much just the things I need for translation manager to work. Yeah. It's not how, global. How are you finding the difference? It it's it's actually it's fine at the moment. It's going really well. So. Uh, there's a couple, because I've done new sync. I know where the big trip trip-ups are going to be, mm, so there's yeah. one coming in the way I read and write some of the files to disk for the XLFE thing. That's going to be a pain, and so I'm sort of at that point now. I think I've got it so that I haven't broken back, I haven't got breaking changes into the V8 one. Okay. So the provided model, which is, a you know, you connect the translation provider and does all the work, you implement an interface. I think none of that's changed because what I actually did, the login would be the thing it changes. So it goes from iLogger to iLogger of type yeah. in a constructor. Now that the provider, the base provide, base class takes that logger, but what I've done is I've given it two constructors so the old one will still work if that's cool. how your provider used to work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that means I might have got away without any breaking changes, which is quite good. Nice. And it. Uh, yeah, at the moment I took did the big core in about a day. It took me to get the core to compile. None of this code's been tested, obviously, no. and I started adding the additional libraries that exist around it. So, one of the big ones we lean on is a Microsoft one that uh, someone in Microsoft written for XLIF object library, but yeah. it hasn't been touched in eight years. So there's mm. no, it's a .NET four point five project NuGet package. Someone else has done the .NET standard. I did look at it, and I did in fact download it and create a .NET standard version of it. But then I thought. Someone else has done it. Because I got into the thing of uh, how you, if you take a completely dead open source project and you just need to create a new version of the NuGet package, what's the the best way? Because it's actually got a, uh, it's got a PR on it hmm. for .NET standard. Right. And it just hasn't been accepted. And it's like five or six years old. It's a, and it's like, yeah, no one's dealing with this. And, but someone else had already done it. I didn't want to become the owner of a, <laughs> dead Microsoft repo. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So no, but other than that, really good. It's all compiling away. It's great. Good first step. Yes, definitely the first step. I'll be interested to see your opinion of it, given that you'll you'll have both types of uh, packages at that point. So it'll be interesting yes. to get that comparison, and yeah. whether once I know that there's somebody else out there doing multi-targeting, maybe the the bridge project might be something yeah. to look at at a later date. I think there's a couple of people 
But Def, there's people working on multi yeah. now. I've seen a couple of other uh, projects. I know um, Nathan Wolf. He's doing plumber, isn't he? Yeah. I think he did it. I think he did it individual packages originally. But I think mm. he's realised how hard for him that's going to be to manage the doing features yeah. in two pro, uh, two repos. Yeah. So I did warn him. There's like there's trade off to multi targeting. It's not yeah. going to be yeah. uh, sunshine and rainbows. There's difficulties either way. Like like I've said, my thing all the time is that I'd rather it be painful in front of my eyes and forced to deal with it. Yeah. Having done the using one as well, I'm not convinced there's a huge amount extra to do it multi-targeted. No. There's, there is more. Yeah. There is. definitely takes a little bit longer, but it's not a significant to get it building. And I am doing the thing of exact, like for like yeah. no new features in a migration to try and make sure it works. I think that's... That's where it works best, where you're making it exactly the same between the two, because it is the deviation that's going to be the interesting thing over time. I think to keep a tra- yeah. to keep an eye on, but where where the the ones on the cutting edge, so we've got to we've got to try these things and see what happens. Well, yes, yeah. I've had someone ask me when uh, when is it coming out for version nine already? <laughs> and been, you know. Someone asked me with the release date. If I had a release date for translation manager, I'm like, well, I don't think there's a release date for Umbraco, no. so. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a release date for mine. Um, it's out when it's out. It's out. How about you? Well, I've been. I released the alpha of Vendor, and what? I kind of really just needed to put my head into something different for a while. Yep. Cause I think I've just been like head down on Vendor for so long. Um, and somebody asked on Twitter or Slack or something about fluidity. And it, it pops up now and again, yeah. and it's always it's always in my back burner because that that's my one package that I just can't let go in my head. Yeah. Like I want to do that one because I really liked it and enjoyed it. So I put that to .NET Core, mm. and it works. Woot. I might give away a little bit of a secret here because I've never really said this publicly. Yeah. I think I've said it publicly that I the plan is with fluidity that it's going to become commercial. Yeah. Um, the thing that I haven't said before is that it's getting renamed, Ooh. so it's going to be called Construct. Construct. So that's that's what it'll be. Um, and yeah, so I, I ported that over, got it all working. It's got some extra features that weren't in the V7. So I never, I did port this to V8, yeah. but I never released it for V8 because yeah. I was I was too focused on vendor that was taking up so much time. Mm. And by the time I got to it, I was like. V nine is just literally around the corner. Yeah. There's 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 no point me putting it out and dealing with the extra no. <laughs> support yeah. when I'm I'm already strong on with vendor. Yeah. So, um, so I had it ported, so it was sat there. Um, but yeah, somebody piqued my interest. I needed to do something else. I needed to put my head in a, another code space. Mm. So I thought, well, well, why not upgrade, uh, construct or fluidity. And see if I can get that working on nine, and it went quite smoothly. I got it all working pretty oh, easily, uh, which is nice. Yeah. So I was torn whether to release that yet. In terms of there's some stuff I want to do, um, but the the argument of new UI. But I think from looking at the code base of Construct, it doesn't do a ton of stuff. It's not like Vendor where it's got loads of views and loads of things that are going to be really yeah 
time consuming to sort everything out. It is quite minimal from a, a UI perspective. So I'm hoping that I might be able to um, not have as bad a time with that. So my yeah. my current mindset is potentially do something for V9. Yeah, I don't think you can necessarily wait for the new UI. I mean, nah. there's nothing. We've no idea where it's going to be, no. Yeah, so you can't wait for something that doesn't even have a line of code written. No. But yeah, so that was my success. Um, did I do anything else? Uh, we're just prepping some other things on the website, so we've got we've got another vendor little announcement soon. So that might be oh. that might be that should be after a couple of days after this podcast, but we'll see. So just some prep on the website. Talking about construct, this is actually what sparked. Uh, this episode's topic. So we're going to talk today about licensing. So I I tweeted um, yeah. saying the difficult thing of open source is, has got to be licensing. Yeah. Um, so you and I, we're both from open source backgrounds. We made our names in open source development, creating packages and all those types of things. And an eye for one like that that's where i came from so yeah and i've i've also grown accustomed to certain ways of working like in in the open i do like working in the open yeah um it is scary initially like putting your code out there but it one of the things i've always liked is being able to say if somebody comes to you with support request you can point them to the exact piece of code and say this is what's wrong um yeah i will fix it but i can give you the full detail of what's going on yeah it's very good to give someone an idea of where you're up to as well, yeah. isn't it? Because you can say, yeah. this is it. What You can watch me fix it. You can yeah. see it happen and how we get from here to here. Which yeah. uh, you obviously cannot do with close source. <laughs> no. So, uh, so I've always liked the idea of open source. And it's been a battle with how do you keep that with... Uh, when you move commercial. So in vendor, we've tried one route, which is the core thing of vendor is is closed, but everything mm-hmm. else that we try and do as add-ons, all the payment providers, all of the things like vendor checkout, vendor usync, vendor deploy, mm-hmm. we've done those all open source because we do like those being out there. Um, and the tricky thing is finding that balance. And for, for Construct, one of the things that I wanted to look at was could I open source some of it and uh, still allow potential contributions, but then charge for a tiny bit, which is kind of really important for the whole thing. Yeah, I'll get into more, we can get into more detail about that, but this mm. is what sparked this yeah. idea of discussing licensing because we've spoken about licensing before anyway. Even mm. vendor product, using Pro, all those things, we've. Uh, had lots of discussions on how to manage licensing because it's a big topic for not just package developers, just yeah. I think just um, like digital software in general. It's a, it's a bit of a minefield. Yeah, it is. So I said we both started with open source stuff. So um, when you were doing predominantly open source bits, uh, what license were you using? To start with, and majority now as well, I still use the MIT one. Yeah. And that, I think when we spoke to Lee, it's a similar uh, path on Braco's MIT. So yeah. if it's open source that's off on Braco, it just makes sense to use the same license. I mean, I yeah. know WordPress is something else. I think it's GPL, isn't it? 
So, but uh, almost always it's the license of the underlying open source that we're building on. Because I don't do very rarely do open source that isn't Umbraco. Done one thing, and I, even then it was probably MIT. Later versions of Usync, so we. Uh, the very early ones are MIT, but quite early on in the development, we switched it over to a Mozilla one, yeah. a Mozilla public one. Uh, and perfectly honest, it's very subtle, and they've uh, it's lost me in the history of time why I did yeah. that. But uh, I think it's mainly to do with maintaining the open source trail of that anything that is uh, sort of a modified version of the code yeah. that you produce. Aston, I mean, I don't want it's. It, I'm no open source license expert, no. but I think at the time it was if you modify a, a a Mozilla public, it sort of stays public. You can't build a closed source variant of the same thing off it. I mean, I've said that we obviously build a closed source product on top of um, of Usync, but it's a different code base. It's not the Usync code modified to become a closed source product. So yeah, that's it, and that that's the only real shift from. MIT as an open source license that we've done, but yeah, I usually just follow the herd with that one when they're yeah. started. No, I uh, think I, I was exactly the same. So I yeah. did MIT. I think it was one of those when you're starting out, licensing is probably the last thing you really want to think about or yeah. like get involved in. So again, because Umbraco did was MIT, it was like, well, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Um, mm. Essentially, I just wanted it all open anyway. So yeah. I can't think that I looked heavily into it at the time. It was just, I want to do open source. I'll just copy whatever Umbraco's doing in trust. <laughs> they they know what they're doing. Um, the only time I think I deviated from that was was actually Fluidity, and that one was Apache 2. Um, right. And similarly, I have no idea why I chose that <laughs> differently. I think the only real difference in there is is a, a patent license is granted within the Apache 2, which isn't explicit in MIT. Right. Uh, but realistically, they're very similar, I think. So yeah. I don't know why I did, but I, I chose that differently. Um, and yeah, it was what yeah. it was, I guess. I mean, ultimately, the open source licenses, the truly open source licenses are all very similar because the principles yeah. of an open source license is that the code is not only open, but free for modification yeah. in some respects. The licenses really talk about the subtleties of what you do with those modifications after the fact yeah. is is probably where they vary slightly. But I mean, open source open source licenses are the source is open and you can modify. You are free to modify it. I think if it yeah. doesn't fall under those two, it becomes one of these sort of halfway house licenses, doesn't it? And then yeah. you used to, and I'm not sure now with GitHub being bought by Microsoft, it probably is less true. You would you would be on slightly weird ground using some of the free stuff that you get when people say you can use this free if you're doing open source code mm. if you didn't actually have a truly open source license behind it so but uh, I think I think a it was probably never enforced when it was just github and then now github's got a much more commercial face to it I think it doesn't yeah you can actually host any old code with any license on it without having to pay as it were mm. yeah. I mean it's in the subtleties in terms of I guess from what you expect or what you want from other contributors. I think most people who are creating a project are happy for things to be open source, but it's what happens to it once you give it away that I think then determines what license you choose. Yeah. Portrays what you want from 
other people essentially isn't it so i think that's ultimately what it is it's what you want from other people the people that are consuming it rather than yourself so a good example of that is 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 obviously lee keller who was on on the other day and mm-hmm. he's for contentment chosen the mozilla public license um yeah. so he's said before that he's he's always been mit and that that kind of fully open source license but there's no expectation on the user like the user or the implementer can just basically do what they want with that code and they're not under any obligation to to do give anything back um which i think as as open source has become more i don't know mainstream or mm. acceptable there was a time when if anybody mentioned open source people would be like i'm never i'm not using that in a project uh, but now I think a lot more open source stuff is getting used. But the problem is a lot more open source is getting used and then abused. So yes, people are, are using and demanding and basing things on projects, but not contributing back to them. Um, yeah. And I think that's why Lee chose the pub- Mozilla public license, because that says that if you're going to make changes, you must contribute them back. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to make people... Um, get involved as well don't just yeah. don't just take give back as well which is what his mindset of open source is which is what you would mm. hope it is really that everybody's going to get involved and 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 make things better yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a problem in the wider industry isn't it because i mean you can yeah. go back to the uh, ssl harp lead bug mm. which was a point at which an, a huge amount of organizations discovered that they were all dependent on the uh, open source ssl library and there was virtually no contributions and yeah. there was no incentive. And I I think I was listening to something a few weeks ago about that. And even now they're saying they've got many more sponsors of that project since that happened, but yeah. there's still not enough to pay for the development it requires because the open source license doesn't compel anyone to do anything. No. But they're sitting on top of it. And I read as well, and I'm being vague here, I should have, should have researched this one because it's just come up here. I think it was Red Hat, or it might have been someone else, that they are, they're changing licenses to be not anti-cloud, but to put an emphasis yes. on what you do with them in the cloud because companies, especially like uh, Amazon, yep. and to some extent I think Microsoft as well, but uh, Amazon Cloud are taking open source products and essentially building small empires massive yeah. empires yeah. on top of them yeah and not really obliged because this is the whole point in open source you're not obliged to no. pay any anything back to the source or to contribute back in any way and i know a few things and it might be i really should check the facts i think it's like mongodb style database one of them uh database ones has changed its license so it's much more if you're using this in a cloud platform, the, there's an obligation on you. It's yeah. not just a free open source license to yeah. use on that level of platform because I think that's something Lee was saying. He was a bit concerned about his people taking the code and running with it to do their own thing. I'm yeah. not sure that happens much at our level, but I can. No. It's definitely a, it's an issue, and I can understand the concern because otherwise you're left with this running this project and no, and the reliance on it is huge. Yeah, and then there's no there's no actual support for it, so you feel really uh, quite obliged. And that's one of the, I mean, we'll skip into the commercial stuff. It's one of the reasons why using complete is commercial, but actually it supports the open source using projects so well. It gives us the justification. Without that, using would exist as a product that 
hundreds of thousands of people used and the dedicated developer level would be goodwill, not yeah. commer- not paid. So I think that's why you sort of need to get the level between open and commercial. Yeah. The, yep. the difficulty with goodwill is most people don't. No, they don't. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you jumped into commercial, so let's go into commercial yeah. there. Yeah. So um, where did you start when you were moving to commercial then? What did you do license-wise? Well, looked around a lot. What I actually did, and I was a bit like you, coming from the open source background, I would have liked, I think initially, it would have been great to build a commercial product on code people could see. Yeah. That was like sort of the ideal world if I was in this, you know, no other issues, I thought. So I did look around. Uh, could we license this, the code in a way that meant people could see the code, potentially contribute to the code, but not uh, put at risk our investment, yeah. essentially, for want of a better word. Yeah. So I looked around, and I know there are licenses that do some of that. But, I mean, we're talking a few years ago now as well. I wasn't really comfortable. At the end of it, sadly, I didn't trust yeah. that the license would cover my, cover me enough for that not to be someone just takes your code alters four lines of it and changes it. I mean, I really seriously thought about, you know, we'll just do the whole thing, and it's potentially the only thing that isn't open is the license checking code, yeah. the physical code that validates a key. But uh, So we looked at that and sort of said that didn't feel there was something that sat well as with the risk level that we'd put on. Yeah. So then it's more about what do other people do, what's a, what's a good commercial license look like, and it's just looking around at what other things are. I think... Looked at the big ones. What does the commercial license for Office say? I mean, a lot of legal speak, but what's it actually yeah. say? And a couple of other products. So you just look like I looked at other people's products, tried to find a decent one. Because we went with the very simple, traditional, you buy a license, you own a product yep. uh, route. Not a software as a service or a renewable annual license, just a one-off payment and you pay. So because that is so established even though it's not the current pattern. There's mm. a lot of examples around of people yeah, yeah. doing licenses for software. So in the end, I think we got a, a a version of something, a template or something, and we went with uh, insert product name, insert this, <laughs> gives you the liability to do X. If if your house burns down while using Translation Manager, that's not our fault type, no. th- type yeah. liability. It's not, uh, you know, it's not huge in legalese. And that, that's the sort of license we went with. We even boiled it down. I think you go to our site and you click on the terms and conditions. It basically says we have a, a, the full one you can click on and the simple one that just says don't steal our code. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't don't steal our code. We will be sad. And that was <laughs> that's the license. And then the full license which says, you know, it's your fault if this happens and our fault if this other thing happens. So, yeah, that's what we did. Just have went with a copy of someone else's and tidied it up and made it a bit specific but very simple licensing trying to keep it as simple as possible is what we were trying to do yeah Um, i mean i guess for us we we so because vendor is born out of t-commerce and we bought t-commerce we we essentially had a license to start with so whatever t-commerce had we we basically swapped t-commerce for vendor (laughs) and there you've got a license although we i think i did look around at licensing and see same thing. Look at what other people have done. What's in their licenses? What have they written? Does it is this stuff we need to be putting into our license? Um, but the one thing 
we did, which I don't think you did because we spoke mm. briefly before, yeah. is that we got solicitors involved. So we, we actually yeah. t- put our license or we took our license tech, so what we'd got from T-Commerce, but also what we tweaked for our own, um, what we wanted to get in there as well. And we, we put yeah. that through our solicitor, which it did bring up things. Um, yeah. And I think this is the difficulty. Uh, licenses are a legal thing. So yes. it's quite interesting how many people will just copy a license from somewhere mm-hmm. else to potentially tweak it. But um, not that I've needed to, but potentially you're going to need this to enforce the license. Yes. Or if, if you ever get to a point where you need to contest that with somebody, then you need it to be kind of bulletproof. So so we yeah. took the decision to, to put that through our solicitor which it wasn't cheap, um, mm. and he definitely brought things up. And I think there's 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 definitely things in um, um, to do with the localness or where you are. Um, yeah. th- there are terms and phrases and words in licenses, which most licenses are, go- are probably going to be American, right? Uh, there's, yeah. there's a vast more... Uh, American software products than mm. there are anything else. So we've probably copied licenses from American um, solutions. Yeah. And they just use ter- terms and phrases that don't translate correctly into like British law. And your problem mm-hmm. is, your problem is, if you've got those in your license, then potentially that block with those phrases in can be, de- can be deemed as it's not um, enforceable. Yeah. Because it's it's not proper terminology, yeah. Which is really an absolute minefield. Which is why we oh put yeah. It, which is why we put it through our solicitor. But uh, you see, I'm just flying now. You've got me worried. <laughs> but. but you see that that because I mean we can talk about it's. Uh, to be honest, the enforcement element of it, of 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 not only the license key, and I'm sure we'll come on later about the enforcement of making sure people can't steal your licenses, but. The enforcement, I, I think I took an, an, a thing quite early on that ultimately you're going to be a com- a very small company, like we are a one-and-a-half-person, two-person company. Uh, if a big company decides that they don't like you something and we go, you're going through court with it, yeah, yeah, it would be great to have the perfect license, but really that's a that's a losing battle, yeah. to, to be perfectly honest. And so, to some extent, when we're choosing the license and the enforcement, it's obviously stealing licenses is wrong. Yeah. Morally, let's say it's wrong. You know, you wouldn't steal a policeman's helmet and all that. So, uh, our first level of enforcement, not again, not that we've had to do it, is more reputational enforcement. Is yeah. I think we, we've thought about if we went, it would be going to said agency company individual and saying... We now, however, we found out that you have an invalid, you have stolen our work essentially, yeah. and verbally saying you need to stop and pay us for what you've done. Yeah, and then the escalation is with us and them. And I am unashamed to say, would go public. Yeah, if people didn't pay licenses, that would be the I think the strongest tool in a super small company's box. Yeah. versus lawyers. And I'm not suggesting lawyers are not involved, but 
if, 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 if we had a theoretical agency stealing our code and we knew it and they were being belligerent and refusing to do anything about it, naming and shaming would be on my list. Yeah. Wouldn't be my first thing, but it would be right near the top. Because I'm not sure going much beyond that would get me anything, you know, in costs and stuff like that. So I think that that probably helped us a bit. Not helped us. It probably guided where we went with not only forming the license text, but also... Yeah the level of uh, enforcement and complexity and the overall of how the licenses are created, formed, and ultimately stored. Yeah. I think it's all informed by if someone really, really, really wants to do this, they can. Yeah, I mean... They will. Yeah, there's no way you're going to stop um, copying completely. Um, No. The only thing you can do is, is, is put things in place to to kind of hinder that and the the wording and the things in the license are not necessarily just being legal but the fact that you can go to somebody and say look this is what the license says this is where you're breaking that rule this is why you now owe us money to pay for that so you do need the license even just to get that wording in there and then there's nothing yeah. worse than you realize somebody's cheating you out of your license fee, and you and you realise there's a loophole in your license because you haven't oh, yeah. thought of that situation, and that's yeah. happened on. Well, mm. that's happened to me in freelancing world when I've had a right. terms of service contract, um, yes. where the wording in that meant that somebody could cheat you, and it yeah, wasn't quite no, right. No, I, I think, and, and you're right to because that's much worse. I think yeah. in the world of signing contracts with people i've had something today with one of the one of our partners translation partners is asking was just asking for some contract uh, clarification on where we provide we we wrote the uh, the provider for them so yeah. we do that quite a lot with translations and they just wanted to clarify who owns the right bit of ip around the provider and the contact and i've been back and forth a number of times to make sure that it explicitly says they don't have any hold at all on our our code it's purely yeah. this very ring fenced bit yeah, yeah. but you're right i mean that 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 stuff i think is is really minefieldy i'm i'm hoping my license is a i say we've gone you buy it from us you have a license to use it you don't have a license to use it if you don't buy it from us yeah that's not obviously not written like that but it is ve- basically says that i'm i'm hoping I don't know. Maybe I'll go and spend a lot of money on a solicitor. Now you've scared me. But, <laughs> but, uh, but as I say, it, it, it falls into the, would I actually, I mean, I would. If I had to, obviously, you would go down the legal route. Yeah. But how far you down You wouldn't the, go there the first. Route, it, it wouldn't be your no, no. first part of call no. by any no. means. You'd, you'd want to do what you can yourself. And yeah. we haven't had to enforce anything yet. No. Now, no. I have seen a forum post that got posted where somebody gave a hint that they were using vendor yeah. without a license which Ooh. was swiftly deleted so I, I can't remember who it was I, yeah. I couldn't get who it was in time um but like we said i i don't think there's going to be any way to foolproof no. well again when i was looking at when to start on this and how do you write how do you get a license and what's the best thing to generate a license mm. I, I was immediately thinking of playstations and right Sony and not they're not not doing it. The Sony, the multi-million billion pound company, and their PlayStations have uh, quite a lot of encryption on a PlayStation, so you can't a yeah. copy discs or b play them out of region. Yeah, which obviously get cracked like 
no one's business so people mm. can play PlayStation discs all over the world. And I'm like, if people really, really want to do this and you're a company with billions of pounds, you still can't stop them because ultimately, especially if you're writing software that's disconnected from the internet in some way, so it's not permanently phone and home checking for licenses, mm. it's got to work behind firewalls, etc. You ultimately have to put an element of decrypt cryptography in the software. Yes, yeah. And the minute you've given... From a from a purely technical point of view, the minute you've given somebody the cryptographic keys to to want of a better word, that can you be used to decrypt something, and you've basically left it in their charge. Yeah, you you can't. That is that is crackable. You can't make that uncrackable. You just can't. It's impossible. And so then it becomes a question of how much effort do I want to put in. No to make it to to make it too hard for people to do that so there's an element of how hard other people are always going there's always going to be someone who's willing to go to the nth degree so you can go to the same level on your side and you can write really really complicated code to make it really really hard for them to do it but they still yeah. will or did you put in a deterrent that makes it hard enough obviously where's hard enough but hard enough that you don't know how to generate a key. Yeah. And so I'm definitely at the, without, you know, the easier end of hard enough, mm. I think. It's still hard. And you still have to go around and poke around the source code and you could probably work it out, but that's true of any software product. Yeah. And I would state it's not, you know, it breaks license agreements, is illegal, I don't like you. Well, don't do exactly. It, and I think that's, <laughs> the, that's the tact we took, which is, it's yeah. obviously in our license agreement that you can't reverse engineer the the dlls and yeah. we all know how easy that actually is like well let's be honest we know that people do it because they tell us yeah and people say i've reversed the engineer i know somebody said that to you the other day because i saw yeah. it yeah. Uh, I, I, people say to me all the time <laughs> i've looked in .NET because that's because we're working in an open source environment and everybody yeah. who's working is used to seeing the code yeah. and a lot of people work really well with being able to see it which is why i started with it, it you wrote the software in a way that people could see the code. It would really help them to use it. Yeah. But I know people just pop it open and see how a certain bit works because they need to figure out if they're going to customize it or they've got a weird bug that they want to try and solve because that's the environment they're in. But, yeah, and we, we also say you can't decompile the code, but people do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, the only other yeah. thing we've thought about doing there, which was one of the suggestions that was on the, the tweet that I mentioned at the very beginning, was some people saying potentially why not have um a, a source available license where i think the majority of the people that are decompiling our code are really trying to figure out how to do something yes non-standard or like really quite advanced and they need to know what's happening under the hood yeah. so their intention is good they're not trying yeah. to figure out how it works to to circumvent stuff um and if you're if you're creating those pretty advanced projects and knowing how things work to be performant and knowing how mm. to hook into some things that are might not have we might not have thought about then it, it is handy to have the source code so a it source is. available license might be that we we have agreements with nda signed of yeah companies that do really need it we might actually be able to do that which we've not done yet we haven't looked into a lot of detail but that's one thing that's been in the back of our mind if, if we do want this source available aspect can we can we license that and yeah and the the interesting thing with that would be 
Or the problem that you've got right now is if anybody decompiles your DLL, you have no idea who that is. Whereas yeah. if you actually had an, uh, a source available license with somebody with a signed NDA, you've got a, a really good clue of all the people that have potentially well, got yeah. access to it. It doesn't code, stop the so. other people from decompiling no. it if they want no. to, does it? It's just, yeah. No. Um, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's the reality. The, the reality is, is 99% of the people who use the product or buy the product, I, I trust. Yeah. And the people I know, I would actually say, here's, if the, here's the source. I wouldn't just say, oh, I'm like you, how you distribute it is the issue there. And yeah. I think, I know you've got, you've you've been looking at like a partnership thing, haven't you? And when I've thought about that, it's whether or not that'd be one of the things we might bundle mm-hmm. into a partnership would be closed source access to the to the source code if you wanted it sort of as a an enhancement so you yeah. could sort of see it then as you say you keep a sort of cl- tight control over who can see and what what they can do to it but yeah as you say 90 percent of people i think it's just it makes their life easier if they could see the code it's just unfortunate that i don't think the license and and really lends itself to it in terms no. of selling a thing that actually is just there for everyone to see because it's not like uh, well, I'd say like a book. A book so easy to copy now. It's not like something that's yeah. hard to copy. It's you know, it's just really because one of the things that uh, we when the beginning of last year now because it's only when, when we went through the world of Brexit. I mean, ultimately, when we were talking to our accountant, the thing we actually sell is a sixteen-digit code. We don't sell our yeah. software. We give that away. Yeah. You can download it. And you can use it. It doesn't fully work, some, some elements of it, until you buy the 16-digit key. And that's what we sell and what goes across borders, as it were. So how... I mean, we talked, we've touched on it a lot about what you would do. Do you have any enforcement issues, plans? And when you're talking about enforcement, are you talking about basically saying i know someone's using it and i'm going to do something over you what's your guards against that um i think most of it is just covered by majority of what you've said so we've got the license we've we've made it legal <laughs> we've, had, we've yeah. had the solicitor yeah. it would have to be a manual enforcement the only thing we have got in our license agreement which we haven't fully got in place it, it is in e-commerce is there is a pingback um yeah section in there that says we can uh put a pingback service in our in our product and mm. that would potentially tell us um in t-commerce it, it gives information back as well so that we know which payment providers are being used so that we know which ones right. are worth maintaining and those types of things yeah but as well it gives you an idea of it tells you whether it's licensed or not yeah now with everything all of that stuff is still um work aroundable um we we i think t-commerce has an element of obfuscation um Mm. can never pronounce that word um around the important bits which we haven't done in in vendor because it's the same exactly what you were saying anybody who's determined to do something can do it and even even that word uh even if some even if you put that in place it's still work aroundable there are tools that can automate getting around that yeah. so we what's the point in putting the extra um complexity into your build process for very little benefit um well, yeah. 
so yeah, the yeah the only thing we've got is the potential to do a pingback service, um, the license agreement, and then I think our licenses are a bit more than uh, involved or I wouldn't say any mm. more or less secure, but they're a bit yeah. different to how you do your licenses. So you yeah. you you issue a code and we issue yeah. license files that um, have got signatures so that our license files can't be tampered with. Uh, and, and they're tied to a domain. So if anybody tries to alter the 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 license yeah. file, the signature won't match. Um, I suppose and, ultimately our licenses are the signature of yeah. the domains. That's, so, that's what they are. So I think the, the, yeah. the level of security in that is probably exactly the same. Um, mm. Where for vendor, we're tied to the domain. So that's a good one to, yeah. to tie to. The The harder one, which is the one that, we wanted to try and do with um, construct is trying to do it per install, so it's not tied to domain, uh, which yeah. we're was really struggling for the right way of doing that. Oh, it's, it's, um, yeah. I've I've looked at that as well, and it's really hard to identify an Umbreco install in a unique yeah. way. That yeah. isn't easy to know what the unique way is. I uh, think I think there's potentially going to need to be some possible assistance from hq on that one in terms yeah. of um finding a way that we can um make it so that we know the instant the instance and the important thing is the instance so we're talking about the same site that could be like in multiple environments or it could be yeah. on a load balance yeah. server so we can't do it per like machine because no. If you put that straight into Azure, your machines are going to change. So all we can't, the time, yeah, yeah. So you can't base it on the machine. But equally, if you just allow it by a particular something in the project mm. that is transferable between other projects, yeah. then somebody can just copy in the yeah. license into another one. So it's yeah, it's it's so hard finding the right way to enforce. I mean, something. ultimately, that's the license we tried. We 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 started with. That's what obviously using and translation manager would be perfect for. Because what we have to sort of come up with was that concept of a. I think initially we said it was a pipeline, so it was dev to stage to live. I think yeah. now, just for simplicity, we call it a project. But it's essentially all the websites involved in a project. Yeah, are all the same site. Yep. And how do you say to someone, this license covers this project, but not another project, which might be a clone of this project in yeah, some way, exactly. or it might start from the same base. And so I think we went rounds around the houses and ended up with domains for that reason, yeah. because ultimately I think what we decided is you license the end of the product tree and not the, uh, not the beginning. So the developer side of it, ultimately uh, all the licenses work with lo local host. Yeah. Say if it's a local host and you can do what you want, and the minute you step off local host, that's when restrictions kick in. Yeah. But I think I, I had the same thing when I've scoured the Umbreco database trying to find any form of uniqueness that you could use. Because one of the things is all of the built-in stuff. So I've said this to you: all like the, the the image media type or the recycle bin yeah. or the default user or the default admin group that are all there, and you can guarantee are always there. The Gwid key values for them are hardwired on the install, yeah. so actually every single Umbreco install has the same Gwid value for the recycle bin or for the yeah. admin user. 
so you can't use that to sign. So it's really annoying because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, you just, you know, you sign it off. You take a combination of these things, yeah. munge them together somehow, and at the end of it, you've got a unique signature for this Umbreco install. Yeah. But now I went round around the houses and came back with, I don't think I can do that. Not, as you say, without some form of Umbreco core signature being built yeah. into it. I mean, the, the domain uh, restriction works for vendor because it's obviously an e-commerce mm. store and you, you're going to access that from the front end. The difficulty with Construct is that it's a back-end tool, essentially. So yeah. that could potentially be accessed from multiple domains. I mean, I don't, mm. but I don't know what the best practice is, what people do these days. I would imagine the best thing would be that your back office is always accessed from one common URL. Yeah. Even if you've got multiple domains, you'd still access we, it from the same one. Well, I can tell you what we see from Translation Manager, which obviously people have sites with multiple domains on. And yeah. people do ask for the license for a lot of them, but often they don't. So as I mm. think most people have, as you say, one back office. So the license is checked against whatever the back office is running against. So yeah. it'll be your back office URL. Yeah. But then you might get someone who's got their website in 15 languages and it ends in .uk, .en, .all of that. But surprisingly, they don't ask for every single domain usually because I think they do just live in that back office and say, mm-hmm. well, you've got all these sites and we will add them to someone's license if they need them. Most of the time, you only need the one because it's just the back office that's the, the one they're using. And occasionally, we more end up that Umbreco gets a bit confused depending on how they configure it. So sometimes the Azure URL is what Umbreco will think it's running on, not their yeah. masked URL of the company. Yeah, yeah. Or they might ask access the domain slightly wrong, so we do add them. But, I mean, we've said this before, our, our, our domain process is when you buy it off the website, you put in the primary domain. Yeah. And if you want additional domains, I do that by hand. Yeah, we have to do the same. That I've got. But it's not it's not huge. It's, 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 a, it's a lot. It's not a lot of them. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take me long to do, and I think trying to write that into the code would have been it would be insane. too hard. Yeah, and well, how do again, you tell? Yeah, exactly. How do you yeah. enforce that? Like, yeah. you could say the only the only thing you could do is say you can have up to three domains on it, but you yeah. still can't control that whether they're for the same instance or three domains for three projects. Yeah, I mean that's actually the Umbreco model, isn't it? If you've ever mm. bought Umbreco forms for someone. Uh, you essentially get like an opportunity at the back office to put in about five or six domains, don't you? And that's mm. how many domains it's licensed for, with the intention that that's dev stage live, etc. Yeah. But uh, I just think it's it's a bit bit bonkers as to if you actually try and work it out. Equally, our, our philosophy has always been as store as little data as possible on somebody. Yeah. Because I don't want data protections and oh, no. are just easier not to be involved in. Yeah. So we don't have like a sign up you buy it off the website you don't get a membership and you don't have a you can go back and alter your license so we just went with domain and then if you need to alter it you alter it and i'd say i don't know because as you say it's a developer tool but in theory if you license in the back office it shouldn't be a huge uh amount of people asking you for hundreds of domains i would yeah. have thought maybe we'll just stick with the same pattern mm. it's easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really hard to do anything else. It's properly hard. Well, going back to the mixing of commercial and open source. So you said you tried to look at that for yeah. um, Usync. Well, with Construct, I, I said earlier that I really wanted to try and do that open source. Mm. 
And one of the licensing, um, or there's a company out there or a group out there that are trying to create some new open source licenses for specific types of setup. Uh, and this is Polyform. So the uh, polyformproject.org, I think, is the domain. Uh, and they've got a few licenses on there that people can just use. And I think we were planning on using the Polyform Shield, mm -hmm. which is essentially um, this thing is open source, but you are not allowed to compete with any product that we as the provider would produce. Um, yeah. So that was going to be a really, really good fit. And I think for the longest time we planned on open sourcing as much as construct as we could yeah. with a tiny bit closed source that you buy the license for um, and look at using Polyform Shield to, to do the protection. But um, we, I don't know if we're going to bother doing that now. We, I wanted to, and I really wanted to open source this, but I think it all goes back to what the word you said, like at the very beginning of this, and it's trust. Um, yeah. It'll, all you're doing is where, where are you prepared to put your trust? What, what license mm. you choose is what is the trust level I'm going to give to the community as a whole. Yeah. And um, I, the community shouldn't take offense by this. And like, there's a lot of people that we know, and yeah. we know a lot of agencies would all do the right thing. They would all buy licenses. They'd be, they'd be perfect. Yeah. But we can't underestimate a majority that you probably don't know anything about. They don't know you. They don't really care. They just want to get a project yeah. done. And there's a lot of people that would equally... If they don't have to pay, they wouldn't pay. Well, um, I mean, that's ultimately why I'm commercial. Yeah, because and, people don't have to pay; they won't pay. So, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the that's the start of it. And it's it's a difficult thing, especially as an indie indie yeah. developer. Like every sale to us is 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 important. It's putting food on yeah. the table. Like we, right now, we don't do any other service work. We don't build websites. We don't build Umbraco projects for anybody yeah. anymore. We're fully vendor and hopefully construct as a secondary product. Mm -hmm. um, so every sale is like taking, or every missed sale is taken away from our yeah. pocket, basically. And I think I said it when you were looking at pricing. I, I've mentioned it before mm -hmm. when you were looking at possible pricing yeah. options. There's just not space to do like funky stuff no. in what is a small pool. So Umbraco is right now where it is it might be better in the uh, more mm. uh, flexible in the future but as it stands it's quite a small pool to be a commercial package developer in like you, you've yeah. got to think it is a big community but what percentage of that community is going to need to buy your product so it's yeah. quite small so every single sale is really important and the problem with these types of things where you do open source part of it or you have the pay what you want license or whatever they're volume games. And I think this mm -hmm. is what I've said on, on Twitter is I would absolutely love to be able to do all of these things, but they only work in volume because yeah. essentially the people that pay are covering the cost of the people that don't. Yeah. is <laughs> what it boils down to, isn't it? Or you're getting enough from the people that do pay that you just don't worry about the people that don't. 
Mm. Um, and you've got to hope that there's more people that buy than than don't. Um, yes. But that that only comes with volume, I think. No, I think you're right. I think, as you say, at this at the level you're talking, and the licenses can essentially be counted as they come in because they're not like, just you're not getting so many. You've you've got to consider what every individual is doing, and you're right as well because there's so many people you know in the community. But actually, a lot of our using stuff and translation man stuff just comes from places you've never I've never heard of these yeah. people before. Yeah, and Same. I have no relationship with them, so I mean, they've got no. There's no one to one with those people. They're buying a product from me, and then they're doing what they need to do. Yeah, so, yeah. and it's difficult in the marketing, isn't it? You try and market yourself mm. as like a. It's I guess yeah. it's the the thing that you've always been taught to do to present yourself bigger than you are. But oh, yeah. but vendor is me and Lucy. <laughs> it's like yeah. there's nobody else. It's just us two. Well, I um, mean, we talked about this before. We we say we. You yeah. say we. I say we. And I mean me. And I'll do it in a conversation when I'm talking one to one with someone about a thing they know I've written. And I say, well, this is how we do it. <laughs> it's like okay. But it's it's quite. It's, I mean, I have done at least once. I've tried to talk myself out of that. I've done at least once. So I've just said this is who we are. Yeah, we we do need to just be proud of what we are. That we're, yeah, we're exactly, a small yeah. team doing what we're doing. But yeah. I, I guess from a from a licensing perspective, if you do portray yourself as bigger, do some people not know that it's just individuals? I mean, some people might have ethics that are like, if, yeah. if they knew it was just the two of you and it's going straight into your pocket and it's not a big conglomerate, like company I think that plays millions. both ways, <laughs> doesn't it? So, I mean, I would say, based on some of the paperwork I've been asked to fill out, especially yeah. by American companies, they don't know I'm one person. <laughs> Because they're just like, oh, just 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 fill out this twenty-eight page form so Ooh. I can buy software off your website, and it's like, yeah, yeah. and it's like, oh, you, they just think I'm firing it off to some department to fill yeah. it. <laughs> fire it off to the other side of your desk, and you'll deal with it later. Yeah, yeah essentially. When, when you've put your legal yeah. hat on, I have tried to delegate the finance off to Ruth to do the, uh, but I basically get shouty at them on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, I think that was that's probably quite a long one actually. Uh, but mm. I think licensing is quite a difficult topic. So oh, it is. We could have carried on, carried on. It's just <laughs> no. a, it, the amount it's of quite scary. We've had. I mean, you've scared me because you always do when you're doing it pro- <laughs> doing it pro- properly. That always puts me off. But <laughs> but but yeah, there's, no, there's so much to it. It's, it's a real challenge, and I think ultimately my advice would be to to re- to research. I think you're just going to yeah. have to spend the time researching. Know no, that I you're mean, never going to be able to enforce anything completely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I suppose the one thing is this is all quite theoretical because I've never had to enforce a license on anybody. No. Of any type. No. Never had anyone abuse any license and so on. That respect, very lucky. But we'll soon, well not soon, hopefully never <laughs> yeah. find out if it, how, how robust this stuff is. So yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, yeah. oh, I can never remember what we have to do. It's it's like no, like subscribe with you. Yes, they're the three. S- send we're st- ice we're cream. We're sticking with those three. Oh yes, yeah. for the summer. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I I love a, a white white Magnum. Oh, Magnum double. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're gonna do it. You must. You know, do it twice. <laughs> well thanks everybody again for listening Um, thank you and we'll catch you on the next one see you later